Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Red Carpet to Trailer Trash Podcast. My name is Ian Collins, and joining me, as always, is my good buddy, Mr. Connor Rock. Thank you so much for doing it quicker that this time. I was I was editing today, and I was at the one where you were like, my good friend. And like, it was... It was it was funny. I had to leave it in there because we joked about it, but I was worried it was going to happen again. <laughs> you speak like fucking William Shatner doing these intros. Why? Well, I had never really thought about doing something <laughs> like that. But now that you mention... Yeah, that's, that's kind of exactly how it was. Uh, so how has uh, how's, how's your week been? A uh, little annoying. I had to work until about 8 o'clock yesterday. That sucks. Yeah, I'm going to be in quarantine for my birthday, so that's another thing I'm not excited about. Oh yeah, that's like here soon, isn't it? Uh-huh. I need to go pick up some liquor. Oh, you're going to have a party of one, <laughs> or are you going to do anything like virtual? I think I'm going to do... Well, I think I'm going to do something virtual. If nothing okay. else, I, I'm planning on drinking and watching the uh, the NFL Draft live with a few people. Okay. That sounds... Fun. I I don't like sports, but I'd imagine how that would be fun. Well, when I'm not like it's not usually like a a huge thing. It's more of a let's see who my team picks and see where any if if any where our uh, college players land. And um, we didn't have any good players uh, that stand a chance of going in the first round this year from WVU. And yeah, I couldn't even name a player. I think the highest rated, and probably, as I understand it, the only person that's going to be drafted from WVU this year is Colton Mikovitz, which is sure. one of our offensive linemen. Uh, but sure. when you literally have no other sporting anything to watch, the NFL draft becomes far more interesting. Are you watching it with Morrison? Is he one of the... the... Uh, maybe I had suggested it to uh, Marone and Morrison uh, as possibly getting drunk and watching the uh, the draft. Yeah, sounds sounds like you. Well, hopefully that'll. Are you guys going to talk about that on your sports podcast? Uh, probably. You put that bets sounds, on this. That sounds well. We're definitely going to talk about it next week. This week we'll probably do a uh, a prediction of what we're gonna, of what's going to happen at the NFL draft. Oh, look here, you're plugging. You got your plugs already. Yeah. Uh, just yeah, go ahead. We never get them in this early. What is uh What is it called? It's called Fade the Public. It's typically a sports gambling podcast, but there are no sports right now, so we're just kind of bullshitting about everything. We talked about bronies on the last episode. Is how off <laughs> off off into the weeds we got. So, so that... I will definitely not listen to that one. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Ryan wished that he didn't listen to that either. Because <laughs> the more I can forget bronies exist, the more I feel like I'm a happy person. What do you think the overlap between bronies and furries is? It's got to be high, right? Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I'd imagine if you're... Like, I feel like, one, I feel, uh, I, I feel like bronies is a stepping stone into furries but I don't know if it necessarily goes the other way. That's fair. I think that that's a fair assessment. 
and that's the extent that we're going to talk about that. <laughs> yep, that, and then, that's it. I also have another podcast called Stereotopical, where uh, two of the three episodes we've posted so far have been about coronavirus, because it's topical, and there's two of us, so we're talking in stereo. Boy, that was a complicated title. Uh, but today, <laughs> on today's episode, before we start our usual nonsense, we're talking about uh, two... Uh, I'm not even sure if they're technically horror movies, but two, like, suspenseful movies at the very least. Oh, you're back to us already. Yeah. Man, you were flipping all the way back. Okay. Yeah, uh, I was yeah, just going to say, say that that's... I, I was going to continue with the nonsense and see what you've been doing, but I was just going to give them the heads up, because normally we wait a little too long to let that's, people know. I feel know. like that's... Yeah, yeah, that's so, definitely true. Usually if people listen to this, they're like, what is this even about? So <laughs> my descriptions are nonsense. Yeah, so today we're uh, actually going to be discussing The Lighthouse and the original Wicker Man. Yeah, and I think horror, horror is probably a broad category you can shove them both into. I mean, one's more like psychological, one's more like, uh, what's it, like cult horror, not folk horror type deal? I think folk horror is probably... Strange people with strange customs and being spooky is is uh, what I believe to be folk horror. Boogity boogity boo, yeah. That's not, I don't know. I've never heard of the phrase folk horror before, but that seems to be an apt description. I mean, it's pretty. I think it it came about more so, or it's become more popular since Midsummer. Yeah, because that was pretty much the Wicker Man. Yeah, I was gonna say we are gonna get into the similarities between the Wicker Man and Midsummer. Yeah, so but, we can we'll talk we'll we'll touch on that in a minute. But um, yeah, and but yeah. So how how has your week been? How was your last week? Uh, you know, time is ticking on nice and nice and slow. I'm not I'm not entirely sure that it is ticking on, but we're gonna we're gonna assume <laughs> that that is a thing that's happening. It's like if everything feels so slow, and then I realize like April's almost over. I, I have no idea where April went. All my days feel the same. It's weird. It's, I know it's a lot been of five like, weeks since I... I've been working at home for five and a half weeks now. Holy hell. That's uh, that's such a long time, but it doesn't feel like it. I don't know. Everything just blends together. There's, there's no real standout moments. But on a lighter note, so I did the episode that we of this podcast that we released today... I did two new editing techniques uh, on, on it when I was editing it. I guess that goes without saying. But uh, So one was just like, it's something that I call split and pull, and I don't know if it's a real editing technique, but it like lets, uh, it makes our conversations like a little snappier and also like helps it take less time, which is pretty cool. And then the second one was just kind of giving a little bit of a shit and I did that, and I pulled the episode together. <laughs> I, I pulled I pulled the episode together, and I gotta tell you, still pretty bad. So, well, we'll that's how we concerning. Do this next week. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to give you a little heads up on how the how the nitty gritty of our show is going. Give everyone a peek behind the curtain. Well, on the bright side, it may it will definitely sound better, but not the quality of the, but the the sound quality will be better, but the actual content quality will be about the same. 
Yeah, this one also had my absurd take on Darwinism, and I got back to that as a cool. Forgot I said that. And if you don't remember what I'm talking about, check out the last episode or episode 29. I don't know. This is 31. It's in the description. I'm sure it's fine. It's, it's it's great, but unfortunately, that's pretty much all that my uh, the my conversation can be limited to because I like literally nothing. Nothing of note is happening, I feel like, except for, like, the plague sucks. Yeah, what what do you do to fill your time, by the way? Uh, I've been doing some painting, I've been learning some more guitar, uh, playing a lot of video games, writing some D&D campaigns. So, a fair amount of good nonsense. I think I'm going to start, like, looking for a job again here soon, and just the hopes that maybe someone in this broken economy is hiring Hopefully you can snag away one of the jobs that someone more experienced than you lost. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna get in there. Take one of those COVID jobs. <laughs> it's, it's gonna be rich and ripe, and maybe everybody, I'll take one of the dead jobs, yeah. Like, well, Stu died, so we need someone to fill in for him. Like, I am your man. <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes you just have to look at the silver lining of a situation like this. It's that's that feels bad to say. I know I started this, but the silver lining is I might get a job. I mean, <laughs> what would you rather the silver lining be? That people died and you gained zero benefits from it? I guess that's true. If like, grandma wants to die for the Dow Jones, <laughs> uh, well, my grandma died a long time ago for the Dow Jones. <laughs> I don't want to unpack that. That's that's perfect. <laughs> Shit. What is this? What is this about? I don't know. Let's. I I think I I do maybe want to cut the bullshit a little early because there's a. I feel like there's a lot to talk about this week. Um, mostly coming out of. I'm most excited. I am excited to talk about the lighthouse. Spectacular well, pick. Well, let's dive um, into that then. Well, let's let's start with the Wicker Man. Okay. Let's build our way up. Yeah, well, I mean, this, you're you're te- you're technically the boss here, so if we want to do it that way. We can. I just figured we'd we'd end with a maybe a longer discussion on the lighthouse because I don't have as much to say about the Wicker Man. Well, I gotta say, the Wicker Man. I was surprised by how much how good I thought it was. Um, mostly because like I'm one of the people where if you like, it's. Uh, I'm very easily like entertained by some of the cinematography that you can do, and some some of the effects that are done can usually keep my, help keep my attention. But in a lot of the older movies, like pre nineteen eighty, a lot of them lacked much of the cinematography that today, and so the tricks that they would use back then seem rudimentary by comparison. Which makes sense; it's been fifty years, so yeah. it's. It doesn't seem as impressive as it should have, for example, like The Wizard of Oz having Technicolor. Wasn't, is, today, it's not something that's even worth noting, but at the time, it was it was a big change. So, like, The Wicker Man, the, the actual cinematography of it and the, like, the directing and everything didn't seem especially impressive but the the writing and the performances of everyone were very i found especially compelling and effective 
but mostly because the third act was really and I, I even though I knew how the how the movie ended I still really appreciated and enjoyed how they brought it to its conclusion and how they explained what had happened and why everything in the movie had happened. Yeah, I I, I had actually, I'd never seen The Wicker Man. I didn't even know, like, I didn't really know what it was about. Um, quick question, did you see, have you seen the Nick Cage version? I have not. I just know that he gets attacked by bees instead of lit yeah, on fire. So, yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's all I knew about the Wicker Man, I didn't even know he like if he that's instead of getting lit on fire. I just knew there was something about him and bees, and like not the bees or whatever. Yep. So I, I, you know, I mean, you can suspect where it's going, because uh, it, it immediately it gave me Midsummer vibes. Yeah. So I wasn't surprised like when it ended with some dude burning alive, but uh, I, I absolutely agree with you as far as the directing and the cinematography didn't really. It it was absolutely ununique. Like it kind of felt like it was just it was very low budget, like shot on like a like a handheld like Super Eight or whatever they were using back then. Yeah. But I the way they were able to tell the story and just like it, it, I could have used like a little bit of a harder build with the suspense or like just to kind of like what the fuck have less of like a sexual because there was just like weird sex things happening all over the place and then someone was like oh that's a um, um, umbilical cord on the grave. And I, so a little more like that stuff I could have used, but all in all, I, I think it was, it had a good unsettling, like uneasiness to the town the whole time. I thought that the fact that they, like they incorporated, the reason there was so much sex stuff was because it was directly related to the local religion seemed like it made more sense in terms of the story and the plotting. And I thought that the... I it their ability to portray every, all the locals as people who were just like ever their ability to just portray someone who is yep nope I have no idea who that person is but she lives here nope nope not, not, like their ability to just play things off as if they're basically like an untrusting townsfolk uh yeah. was was very was very effective but i think that something that isn't really i'm not sure if people discuss it this dude had no respect for other people's property at all yeah as soon as like he decides to just tear the town apart he does that for like three hours he just starts threatening people with throwing them in jail for obstruction and it's like dude you're literally breaking into people's houses (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, so I, one one thing that I really struck me is that, like the soundtrack kind of undercut some of the more serious scenes, but I think that's more of just like how films were back then. The only exclusion is like the finale when they're just like doing the whatever like jig or chant or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Like that really added to like the like the guttural horror of like I, I, essentially like dealing with a religion you don't understand. Because I would equate this to, like, movies like Green Inferno, where people are, like, stranded on, like, cannibalistic islands. Yeah. With people that they don't... Like, it's the same kind of deal, but in this one, everyone speaks English. Yeah. Um, But also, up until about the 30-minute mark, I, I wondered... Kate and I... Kate watched a little bit with me, and she wondered as well if this was a musical. 
Because it just had a lot of people singing for a long time. Like, Naked Lady Dance Song, and then, like, when the kids are doing That the... scene, I'm sorry, that scene with the, the, what was it, the, basically... The barmaid, the, the yeah, barman's the, daughter, or whatever. Yeah, whatever her name is, whatever her character's name was. The, um, the amount of time they spent on her singing and dancing around naked was way longer than I expected yeah, it was like it and was way like longer than minutes. really necessary. It was insane. That's why I thought it was a musical because they did. I mean, it wasn't as like dancing and naked as that, but they let songs drag out. I guess they did it with the uh, like the song about her, like the the lodgeman's daughter, the barman's daughter. I don't, I, don't, I don't remember what it was, but yeah, the yeah. They did it with that song, and then when the kids are playing with like the twisty poles, like the the ribbons on the pole. Or whatever. That was a long... I and mean, then it just kind of, like, stopped being a musical. And I was I was okay, which I was fine with. It's just... The musical choices were kind of strange to me. I think it was meant to accentuate sort of, like, the strangeness of the culture and how it was... And how the songs really in, were incorporated into the, the religion. But without question, my favorite line in the entire movie was when the uh, the police officer was yelling about how there were women jumping over a bon- wired women naked jumping over a bonfire on the way here. He's like, <laughs> well, what, would you rather they be... <laughs> they wouldn't be jumping over a bonfire wearing clothes. They get <laughs> That would catch them on fire. That's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, very, I'm- very purposefully and obviously missing the point. <laughs> Which I did, I really, uh, I appreciated uh, Christopher Lee's character and his performance in this. Um, I've I've never seen him, well, I haven't seen him in many movies, but this is definitely the youngest I've ever seen him. And uh, I I thought he just did really well. Like, I wasn't, not expecting him to do bad, but I didn't, I don't know, this movie was surprisingly good for the time, because I'm kind of on the same boat with you, where past a certain date, I really, I, I just can't appreciate movies. Just, I, I don't know. We've had this kind of conversation before. It was like how they're filmed, how they're acted, how there's something about them. And I, I so. would say like that. That's not every film. Like Rocky was about this time. I really enjoyed Rocky. I really enjoyed Citizen Kane. Like there's, there are a lot of older movies that I do enjoy, but it's just not as frequent. And it's almost certainly because of like, what we've grown accustomed to in movies. And so it's, whatever, like, the, like, the light, the proper lighting and things, like, the visual uh, aspect of it just isn't the same in older movies because they didn't have the same technology. And it's something that when it's not there, it really uh, leaves something to be desired. Uh, so in comparison to this, to, to Midsummer. I also think that I kind of like this one's format a little more. I know I said like I wanted a little like a, a harder burn or like a little bit of a faster burn or more obvious burn maybe. Mm-hmm. But this one didn't just like throw gore at you in a weird way. Like that that's kind of like it don't get me wrong. I like I did enjoy Midsummer, but it it, it kind of used more of like shock factor of like blood and and gore and then like also kind of strange customs where this one just really like it it felt like these customs were deeper 
than some like I don't know Swedish town or whatever it was. Well, that... this I would say that this the sort of way that it introduces you and sort of shows you how strange the religious structure of this this society is is through the very open uh sexual nature of the of the town uh which especially compared to a typical british and scottish behavior is a big shift whereas uh when you look at the midsummer which is an american film they went with just openly like they went with the gore factor as a way of saying like once someone uh and once someone like gets killed in a certain way that's how you know that the the local area is off as opposed to just the overt sexuality that is uh sort of the thing that gives the the signal that things are different i guess in 1973 it would have been maybe kind of the same to be like that level of sexuality is shocking versus like that level of just okay with brutality of death yeah currently i I, okay i take it back i don't know if i take it back i don't remember what i said but i I agree all in all though i was i was surprised i'm definitely gonna watch the nick cage version i wanted to watch this one first though because i i have heard from multiple people that it's actually like it's good it holds up and i i i think that's true i was very surprised but yes i would 100 percent agree with that i think it may have been it may have run a little long but I've just never been one for big long movies. It's only um, ninety minutes. It's only ninety minutes. Oh shit! Maybe it just felt slow. It was a it, the very the first, the opening like two acts were very like it was a slow burn because at first you're just like how does like does this person even exist? And then once like, I think it's around the second act when it's like. Oh, this person does exist, and these people are just are all just fucking with him. Yeah, and even like the mother who was like, "Oh, well, she's a rabbit," or you no, know, the daughter said that, and the mother was like sticking to it, and I thought that was a good scene. And he's like, "How can you do this to like she's your daughter?" And she's like, "I don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> so it, it was it was good. I I I enjoyed it. But I think that is all I got on it, unless you want to throw in some other thoughts. Nope, that was pretty much everything. I think it's it's pretty appropriate that we now dive into the lighthouse. Oh boy, I I almost didn't watch this, and I would have been so mad at myself. Um, I don't know. Do you want to do you want to start? I'll start. What? How do you want to do it? I'll just give the general breakdown. So, this this story, the the lighthouse, is a movie about how. Willem Dafoe's character is a wiki, which is a lighthouse keeper and has been for many years and claims to have previously been a uh, a captain or sailor of some sort before his uh, his leg got injured. And so he had to retire to being a, a lighthouse captain. And so uh, he hired Robert Pattinson's character to take over as sort of the the upkeep the, basically the maintenance man for this remote New England lighthouse and it's for a month and then after uh, and then as the end of that month approaches on the last day 
a huge storm comes through, which strands uh, Robert Pattinson's character on the island when he should be leaving uh, to go back to the mainland. And the basic premise of this is just going through the difficulty that these men have with mostly uh, Robert Pattinson's character with trying to remain sane in this level of isolation. So I, like I said, I wasn't gonna watch it because I don't know. I looked at, like, I, I saw the cover on like Amazon or whatever. And I was like, I don't know. This doesn't really look up my alley. And then I read the description and I read like one thing about it, how it was very like, everything I love. Like, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but my dream is to be a lighthouse keeper. Like, I would lose my shit if I could do that. But unfortunately, like, algorithms exist now and maintenance men. So that's it's a job of the past. But, uh, and, and it's like off the coast of New England. It had, like, very Lovecraftian vibes, which is another big, big checkbox, or, yeah, checkbox for me. And so I ended up watching it and... I when it was done, I was like, "What the fuck did I like? What?" And then I stayed awake for about two hours and thought about it, and I've decided that I really like it because I, I don't know, like, it just, just where do we even start with this movie? It's a good. It is like first of all, do we even discuss what we think is happening or what we think happened? Because this is a this is the same guy that did The Witch, which was another reason I was kind of hesitant because I thought that movie was utterly boring and when it wasn't boring it was cliched but everybody seemed to really like it i still uh, have not seen the witch and so that's something that might be on my list moving forward but we'll see well uh, if, it, if it if it does poke its head up again i will re-watch it just because of how much i did enjoy this one so i'm willing to like give it another shot you know mm-hmm. um but then this was just such a look at madness isolation with hints of kind of the same same themes of the witch really of like is there really something else is there some greater power like fucking with them and i don't i don't really know where to start this discussion so where do you think we should kind of jump in i think it's probably best to start at like the what appears to be like very open like uh superstition that really drives a lot of the motivations. Which, Boyle in one scene just kind of comes out as Willem Dafoe's character shouting, don't kill seabirds. Yeah. And, and so the, uh, and I'm not sure if it was mentioned specifically in this, uh, in the movie, but I looked up, like, why is this a thing? And it's because, uh, there's an old wives' tale that, uh, sailors that die at sea, uh, come back as seagulls. Yeah, he he actually did mention that in the movie, and that is something that I really wanted to talk about with somebody who's seen it. I think Kate may have checked out at this point, but the seagull that kills or, the, or that Robert Pattinson's character kills has one eye. Yeah, like the guy who Willem Dafoe's character, like his his previous second. Didn't he say he had one eye? Like, isn't that whose head he finds in a crab trap? Maybe. I actually didn't notice that. Did I noticed that at the end, the seagulls had poked out his, uh, the eye that was showing. Uh, spoiler alert: they uh, 
we're gonna talk about how the yeah, end, I think we're definitely but, gonna have to spoil this if we're gonna talk about it in any meaningful way. Yeah. So in the end, Robert Pattinson's character slips while looking into the like the actual lamp of the lighthouse and falls to his death uh, down the stairs. But apparently he managed to crawl outdoors where he's now, uh, and it was very appropriate because he's being uh, pecked and eaten to death like Prometheus. Yeah, I was going to talk about the, the, uh, the similarities between Prometheus' story and this. If you'll notice in that last scene, while he's also like having his insides eaten by the birds, it's also his eye is missing. Which I think is the same eye that's missing as the the seagull was. So that leads into my one of my theories about this is this is some type of purgatory where he is essentially Prometheus trying to to steal the the light or the fire from the gods, whatever, to look into the lighthouse to see yeah. whatever it was, and that he's just repeating this forever. So him coming back as the seagull that instigates his own. Like, maybe that seagull is trying to warn him. I don't know. There's so much just weird shit in this movie. But that's one of my theories, that it's sort of like a purgatory-type situation with Willem Dafoe being, you know, whatever higher power you want to call it, whatever old one, I don't know, who's a pantheon god, like Zeus or Odin or whatever. I think he, I think he was meant to be, like, representative of uh, Poseidon. Okay, because he is... There is the one scene where he's they're fighting, and he ends up like cuts away, and he sees Willem Dafoe's character as like a giant octopus, like mermaid. Yeah, so that that is entirely possible too. Um, and then I don't know. Another part of me thinks that maybe they were just both insane. Uh, Willem Dafoe having been at it a little longer, handling it a little bit better. But just some of their interactions, like how they'd switch between just like hating each other to laughing to slow dancing, like it, it just. Well, that I think was just guys. because they were hammered drunk. No, that could be, uh, and that definitely plays a part in it too. Is just how much t- they start consuming alcohol, and to the point of where they're drinking turpentine mixed with something. Mixed with honey. I had to look up okay. what that was because I also couldn't tell that that was turpentine. Yeah, I read it on, like, I, it, whatever sticky it was, but it said turpentine, like, a couple times in frame, and can you drink turpentine? Is that allowed? I didn't uh, think. It can literally kill you. And yeah, I, so. I think, like, if a child consumes 15 milliliters of it, they have to go to the hospital. So these guys were just... Yeah, this know, almost of... certainly was part of the reason why they ended up going fully insane. Yeah, that that... That makes sense, and because as you know, as time goes on, they're drinking all this booze, they're drinking turpentine, and then the house is just becoming an absolute like, like like a sty. They call it a few times, which is appropriate. It's flooded, it's got shit everywhere, but they don't care because they're just drinking and then doing weird shit in the nighttime. Uh, at this, like, he's like up there naked, praising the lighthouse light, and mm-hmm. then Robert Pattinson's character is just like kind of spying on him. And sees the I don't know. There's just th- so many weird things in this movie, and a lot of them really aren't explained. And I, I kind of appreciate that 
just as far as like the it's one of those movies that like I just hope there is an answer because I'm all for something that like hey if you watch it again and like kind of pick some pieces out you can put it a little bit more together but if it's all for the sake of like nonsense I'll be a little pissed I think it's more meant to be like an ambiguous you never really can tell whether everything was actually happening or if it was uh or if it was just their own insanity but my guess is that Robert Pattinson let the the loneliness and the isolation get to him and that all of the other stuff was more of just uh open symbolism showing that it was basically like a Promethean story where he was stealing the light from the god of the sea and then as a punishment he dies a Promethean death. And then Willem Dafoe is just real touchy about his lighthouse light for no reason other than he was like a grumpy old lying sailor. Yeah, well, he's like, yeah, he's just a crazy person that probably killed the previous lighthouse worker. Yeah. Um, oh shit, what else was I gonna say? Uh, th- oh, and then like time also was a big factor because after that first like pickup where the storm comes in, it I mean, it's it's pretty stormy for the rest of the time, I guess. But then you don't really know. You don't know how much time has passed. I mean, they even call it out in one scene where he's like trying to make him think he's crazier, or maybe trying to show him how crazy he is, which the movie did a good job of that. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second, but of being like, he asked him like, how many days have you been here? Like how much time's passed? Like five months, two weeks, two days, whatever it is. And that, that was a very, I don't, I don't know. That was a cool aspect of the movie where like, you didn't know how much time had passed either. And it was just all blurred together, run together on this Island. And these guys are living in isolation. Yeah. You were definitely seeing everything that was happening through the eyes of, Robert Pattinson's character and the that's why it seemed like I think if you look at the if you look at the scene towards the end where the uh Robert Pattinson is going through all the different uh accusations that Willem Dafoe threw at him in the book that he had been keeping logs of it seemed like it's far more realistic to believe that Willem Dafoe was just fucking with him for the sake of getting a mental edge because that seemed to be what he was doing the entire time. Yeah. Because there's that one scene where he he's trying to leave on the boat and Willem Dafoe smashes up the boat and then like runs in and puts the axe in the table. Yeah. And then like immediately after that, they're like yelling at each other in the kitchen and Willem Dafoe accuses Robert Pattinson's character of doing that. Yeah. And so I, I think I agree that he's just been fucking with him for whatever reason. But that scene in particular to me, like I said earlier, it did a good job of like making even you, the audience, question reality. It's like, is like, because you know that you're saying things from the perspective of Pattinson because you don't really see Willem Dafoe's character doing anything off by himself all yeah. that often, except when he's like just up at the lighthouse staring at the light. Everything. You're even seeing that through Pattinson, aren't you? Like yeah. He's noticing it. Yeah. And so it's for that reason you can get the impression that what you're seeing is actually just like his understanding of what happened. I, and also, okay, I guess we need to talk about this because we haven't. 
the one of the biggest stars of this movie, or like one of the one of the best parts of it, is how it was shot. Oh, one hundred percent. The cinematography on this was unbelievable. This genuinely felt like I was watching like a fifty eras, like a fifties era movie. The but shooting it in black like, and white was such an excellent decision for really building the like the scene and the just the tone of everything that was going on. The the you know the shooting in black and white, the aspect ratio, and then even just the framing of the scenes. Yeah. What one made it feel feel antique, but two that added to just the 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 ambiance of the movie, the feel like the feel of the entire thing. I I don't like black and white movies. I wasn't sure about this one when it started, and I was like, oh, this is in black and white, and then I loved it by the end of it. I think that probably my favorite scene in the entire movie was when they're having the drunken argument by their beds. That was that like it's so like clear like the way that they can portray drunkenness so genuinely and you can see like how hurt that Willem Dafoe's character is by the accusation that his cooking is terrible something so small (laughs) from Robert Pattinson that he goes on this long curse basically where he's cursing the name of Robert Pattinson and once again going with just the direction where you're looking up at him as if you are Robert Pattinson and so it's so much more intimidating and get more of this visceral reaction but my favorite part about that entire scene was after like the three or four minutes of Willem Dafoe (laughs) just yelling about how much he hopes for he wishes death and just disaster upon robert pattinson pattinson's just kind of there and like casually goes like you can see he looks like well jesus dude he says fine have it your way the cooking's good <laughs> yeah that, that was like the one little hint of comedy we got in the, in the movie but i i agree i i chuckled at that one and also willem Dafoe's rant was just like intense i don't know how to describe it like a two-minute monologue just of like sea curses yeah basically but that's that's pretty much what it was and then yeah that that, that was a good scene i think yeah, i will say that probably the strangest scene in the entire film was probably the fact that uh there was just randomly a scene about with robert pattinson vigorously masturbating oh yeah because he found a little mermaid icon yeah or whatever idol little carving uh i was gonna go with the mermaid pussy but that either one well weren't those two related uh yeah i guess so i think i don't know was the mermaid willem dafoe was the mermaid real was the mermaid just kind of around i think that it was just a hallucination it could be and then he just got transfixed on this like idol thing yeah this little statue yep because here's also a kind of well, I guess everything spirals out of control when he kills the seabird. Yeah. But then another scene that seemed kind of the same to me is when he's con- like giving his confession about like who he really is, Pattinson's character. This is, um, and like the workplace accident that happened that may have not been an accident. And Willem Dafoe just even he's like drunk, but he's just repeating, "Don't spill your beans, don't spill your beans." As in, like, his second warning of, like, don't do this, which he openly defies, and then, like, all shit hits the fan. Yep. So it se- there seems to be, like, a lot of, like, 
I mean, this is stating the obvious at this point, but a, a lot of a lot of the movies seems to uh, bank on like, or, or the plot comes from broken curses or like some kind of weird like superstition thing. Yeah. Yeah. I I I don't know. There is there's a lot there, and I think I'm probably gonna give it a rewatch in I don't know enough time, but like not enough that I forget about it. Because I am, I am interested to see like where, like maybe little things, you know, that you missed the first time, and then and then pick up on the second time. Mm-hmm. That might be all I got on Lighthouse. Um, oh wait, actually, I lied. One more thing is the scene where he finally looks into the light. Yeah, and, and he just, just starts screaming. Yeah, just how that's like it was silent at first, and then it's just like really like overly saturated, gainy screen. That was like a truly terrifying scene, I think. Oh yeah, just the audio alone was is just because it, like everything else had been pretty crisp throughout the whole movie, and then that comes in with like very I don't know like fucked up. It's screaming. just sort of an overload. Yeah, I thought I thought that was pretty good. Uh, now that is, I think, all I had theories and and what and whatnot aside. But all in all, that was I, I, that was a good pick, solid pick. That might be my favorite movie that we've watched so far. Yeah, I would say I would say that uh, this was an instance where both both of the films we chose were uh, were ready for the red carpet. Oh yeah, definitely. Did this did this premiere anywhere? Like when this came out in twenty nineteen? Yep. Huh, I don't remember it at all. Yeah, I was going to go watch it, but uh it was it came out the same weekend as three other movies and I can only see three movies a week and it was like getting around the time that Oscar buzz was happening and so it was uh there was a lot going on and so just with the timing that this movie was showing, I couldn't get to see it at the around the other movies I was watching at the time. Gotcha. I, I, this, I mean, it's not hard to do, but this slipped under my radar. Ooh. All right. Um. Yeah. I don't know. You want to bullshit for a while? Or you want to just call this one nice and early? Well, I mean, I, I think that this is this is a good, short but sweet episode where we actually get a solid look at two movies as opposed to bullshitting for twenty minutes. <laughs> That's true. Let's make this one. And there was only a little bit of a of our guest appearance. the The newest one that I that edited today, we have it's featuring your your neighbor's dog. Because <laughs> <laughs> now this one he was barking a little bit, but uh, yeah, short and sweet, and actually content. So who would have thunk it? Not I. Uh, you got your plugs done earlier. Do you want to do them again? Or are you yeah, good? once again, those are my other podcasts, both available on Spotify and Apple Mu- and Apple Podcasts. And I assume wherever else you can listen to podcasts. That's uh, Fade the Public for uh, Sports Gambling and the uh, Stereotopical. You can maybe find them linked in our description, depending on how much work Ian and I do in the, in the near future. Uh, so I don't know. Don't bank on that. You can follow this on Twitter at RCTT podcast and, uh, we don't use it, but maybe, maybe we'll, we'll get on that. And I believe that is everything. So thanks for listening until next time. Until next time.